Our scripture today is from uh, Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. We'll read verses 1 uh, through 18. As we'll discover in the uh, in the message, Acts chapter 11 is uh, Peter's sort of, uh, I, I mean, Peter's recap of what happens to him in Acts chapter 10. So you'll uh, see that in the message I actually reference uh, uh, Acts 10 a fair amount, but we're going to read uh, Acts 11 verses 1 to 18. Let's pray together as we prepare to hear God's word. God, we thank you for your word. And now as we hear it, as we reflect on it, as we take it to heart, May it guide us, and may it keep us in your way. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Acts chapter 11. The apostles and the brothers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter began and explained everything to them precisely as it had happened. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, birds of the air. And I heard a voice telling me, Get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, Surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. And he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift as he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could oppose God? And when we heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying... So then, God has granted even the Gentiles repentance unto life. Someone once uh, gave me a a daily calendar. It was one of these uh, little uh, square calendars. Each day had kind of a a meme-type style of wisdom on it. You'd tear off a page, and then it would reveal new wisdom for the day. And one day, I I, I tore off the sheet to reveal one that was called Holmes' homily, and it went like this. It's well to remember that the entire universe, with one trifling exception, is composed of others. It's well to remember that in the entire universe, with one trifling exception, is composed of others. Others have a big part in the universe. In fact, the gospel leads us to realize that others are a big part of God's community. Now, everyone accepts others. 
Jewish Christians in Jerusalem had difficulty with Peter's fraternizing with Cornelius the Gentile. Peter found out quickly that the apostles and believers were critical of his actions. Jerusalem confronted him because he left their tradition behind. You went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Peter violated uh, established rules. He broke down the fences set up to keep others out or to control who would come in. Peter knew the fences. He was a devout Jew. He knew the dietary regulations taught in Leviticus 11. There were animals that the Jews were not allowed to eat. Divided hooves and cud chewing, okay, for the most part. But if they had divided hooves and didn't chew their cud, off limits. Or if they chewed their cud and didn't have divided hooves, off limits. No barbecue camel, no roast rabbit, no pulled pork. All of these off limits. And then there were other rules for seafood, fins and scales, okay, the rest unclean. Birds had their own rules, eagles, vultures, ravens, owls, hawks, ospreys, bats, all off limits. There were even rules about insects, walk on all fours, basically no. Jointed legs, yeah, okay, locust, Katie did, cricket, grasshopper, they're all okay. You get the picture. Their food laws were rather stringent. It was all about ritual purity, all about holiness, being set apart for God once involved these stringent dietary rules, stricter than any keto diet rules. No wonder Peter reacts so strongly then to God's command in the vision that he had. Peter was in the city of Joppa, he tells us, in the middle of the day, and he's meditating, and he suddenly has this vision. An unbelievable picture interrupts his meditation. A a large sail or a sheet full of every kind of creature imaginable descended from heaven. And God told Peter to get up, kill, and eat. Peter was aghast. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I've never had anything impure or unclean. As this buffet of beasts and reptiles and birds descended, Peter's jaw dropped. Clean mixed with unclean? Never. Then Peter's visit to Cornelius broke even more of the rules. Peter put his holiness in jeopardy. When he visited Cornelius, a non-Jew, a Roman, and ate with him, he was completely outside of tradition. He faced heat from the Jerusalem Jewish Christians. To them, Cornelius, this Gentile God-fearer, was an outsider. He wasn't one of them. He was a foreigner, uncircumcised. Peter's acceptance of Cornelius violated everything about Jewish identity. See, Cornelius would only be acceptable to them if he became like them. Like them. You know, we build similar fences. Like the neighbor in Robert Frost's The Mending Wall, we live in a world that believes good fences make good neighbors. We so easily build fences, stone on stone, board on board, create a category of them opposed to us. Like a, a curtain that falls between first class and economy. We exclude, we divide. Thems are those sinners. 
They are, to quote one person, the chain-smoking, adult-channel-watching, playboy-reading, whiskey-guzzling, wife-swapping, tax-cheating, child-neglecting others. Thems are any Christians who aren't like us. Poor, addicted, Catholics, Pentecostal, Democrats. We create any number of categories, different race, different class, different upbringing, different church, different school. All can be a them. One commentator notes that shortly after the Civil War, the question arose in some churches whether newly freed blacks and whites from the same denomination who believed the same creed could join together in the same congregation. Most white congregations said, oh yes, you can keep coming with us to the Lord's house just like you did in the slave days. Yeah, we'll, we'll receive choice seats for you in the balcony. And you can hear the same sermon from a white preacher. Oh, oh yes. Wait a minute. Commune with us at the Lord's table? Stay to eat with us at the lunch that's prepared in the social hall? Yeah, we're not so sure about that. See, segregation continued long after the war was won. African Americans, as much as they had in common, were still a them. They knew they were not welcome at the communion table. These freed African Americans were good Christians as long as they stayed in their places and followed the established rules. Seems we're always making someone a them to our us. We size up others on the basis of our rules, our regulations, stated or unstated, and assign people to one category or the other. You're either one of us or you're one of them. So we create a situation in which others just don't belong. Not so God. God accepts others. It's God's way. God accepts others as is. God challenged Peter to meet Cornelius just the way he was. God brought Cornelius to Peter as is. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. I haven't been to Ikea for a while. We went a bit more when we uh, lived near Vancouver. We were setting up a new house and would take Ikea field trips. We kind of enjoyed wandering through the various displays. But there was no visit that we made to Ikea that was complete for us without making a stop at the as-is section. You know, in this section of the store, all the merchandise carries a tag, as-is. As-is means these are damaged goods. As-is means there's a scratch or a dent, something's missing, there's some flaw. It might be obvious there's a stain or a rip or the flaw may be nearly hidden. Whatever the problem, as-is means these items are not perfect. And when you shop in the something's wrong with this stuff corner of the store, you do not expect perfection. That's why there are no returns, no refunds, no exchanges allowed on these purchases. You buy it as is. Well, here's the deal. Human beings of whatever race or stripe or flavor are the primary residents of the as-is corner of the universe. We all come as-is. Your friends come to you as-is. When you get to know them, you'll see the flaw. They have a stain or something's been spilled into their life. You still receive them 
as is. Your spouse comes as is. Kyle, Alyssa, you'll kind of figure this out, all right? Just letting you know. The honeymoon's over. Maybe sometimes even before the honeymoon's over, you find the flaw. Early on, you were so excited, you missed it. But it's there. And you take your spouse as is. Your children come to you as is. Yes, even the most precious baby comes to you as is. I know you received this bawling bundle of flesh and thought she was or he was the most wonderful thing ever in the world. Don't worry, your child will turn to, you will see the flaw. Parenting happens in the as-is corner of the store. And remember, there are no returns, no refunds, no exchanges. See, if you find yourself looking for the perfect friend, perfect spouse, perfect child, perfect church member, perfect neighbor, perfect co-worker, well, you've walked down the wrong aisle of the store. Cornelius came to Peter from the as-is section of the universe. After God had visited Peter three times in the vision of the sheet full of animals, there was this knock on the door. Some men from Caesarea had showed up. They invited Peter to come to Cornelius' house in Caesarea, and prompted by the Spirit, Peter goes. And that's when Peter gets a sense of what God's up to. Peter says to Cornelius, You're well aware it's against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. See, God doesn't have any room for thems and us. Because what we forget to know and to see is that to us, to God, all of us are thems. What the Jerusalem apostles and believers forgot is that God invited everybody in, as is. That God chooses all people by grace. None of us should suspect that we're a special group. There's nothing about us that brings us to the table that makes us worthy of God's choice. It's not like we're fantastically choosable people. One author notes, the one thing special about the people of God is that they're God's people. They're not necessarily more virtuous, numerous, or beautiful than any other people. They are unique only because they've been engaged by the sovereign God of the universe. God opened the door to as is. The traditional Jewish norms got tossed out the window. Peter went to the house of Cornelius, a non-Jew, a Roman, and ate with him. Peter found himself outside the holiness standards of the Jewish Christian community to engage God's new holiness standard, all because of the prompting of God's Spirit. Perhaps with Robert Foss, we need to say, before I build a wall, I'd ask to know what I'm walling in or walling out and to whom I was like to give offense. Because with God, outsiders become insiders. The remarkable story of the Christian community is that God invites us into his fellowship. No matter who we are, no matter where we come from, God invites them into the fellowship of his love. Peter says, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? As is. It's God's way. We all live with flaws. We all once were thems to God. But now we are only 
God's. God's people. Accepted. As is. And as God opens the door to all, we're called to the same. So then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. The good news of Jesus goes out to the whole world. In fact, we're to be part of that good news. Anything else would be opposing God's way. Anything else would be trying to keep God from including whom God wills. We may be never more like God than when we accept others as is. I'm sure Peter knew all of God's promises about Israel being the light of the world. Peter was aware that Jesus spoke about a time when people would come from east and west into God's new world. But maybe Peter figured that they wouldn't be people like Cornelius. Or if these kinds of people were to come, then Peter must have figured they would do what Gentiles always did. That they'd become Jewish. That Gentiles would renounce their ethnic past and embrace Judaism. Circumcision and all. But God upholds this different standard. Anybody came into God's community by grace. Jesus broke down the us-them dividing wall. The letter to the Ephesians it says, Remember that formerly, formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who called themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near By the blood of Christ. By Christ's blood, others entered Peter's life as is. Not those he expected, and not in the way that he expected. See, it's one thing to dream about people from east and west, but now Peter found himself one with one named Cornelius in his household. And what he discovered is that they belonged to each other. As Peter exclaims to Cornelius, I now realize how true it is. God doesn't show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what's right. We're never more like God than when we accept others as is. Peter looks and sees all that God has done. The story of the gospel going to the world is a story of God's actions. Look what God has done through Jesus. God sent the message of peace through Jesus. Jesus announced a kingdom of God, not a kingdom to take up arms against Rome, but a kingdom of peace, of God's wholeness. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, with power, and by His healings, His teachings, His casting out of demons, Jesus demonstrated the kind of kingdom that God was bringing. God was with Jesus as God had been with Moses, with Joshua, with David. God provided Jesus with a sense of his vocation. And when Jesus carried his calling to the cross, God raised Jesus from the dead. This central truth to God choosing the apostles to be his witnesses. And God even told Peter and his companions to preach, to spread the good news about Jesus the Christ. Because God had made Jesus judge of all. God did it. God set in motion this whole plan to bring everyone right through Jesus. God opens the door to all by forgiveness through Jesus Christ. Everyone who believes, believes the message that Jesus will receive 
and be received by God as is. Which means our job is to accept others. Because when we accept others, we affirm the work Jesus did on the cross. When we welcome others, we join God in bringing the gospel to the world. Once we were all thems, outsiders to the community of God. But now, in Christ, everyone who believes receives a welcome in His name. We're never more like God than when we accept others as is. In his book, Messy Spirituality, Mike Iaconelli tells the story of uh, Daniel Taylor. When Dan was in sixth grade, there'd be occasions when the students were uh, uh, taught in school how to dance. The boys would uh, line up on one side, girls on the other side, and then the boys would choose their partners. The girls would all wait there, wondering if they would be chosen, wondering if they would be chosen by someone that they liked, except Mary. Mary was always chosen last. A childhood illness left her with a shortened leg. She wasn't pretty, wobbling as she walked, arms flopping around. One day the teacher who attended Dan's church said, Dan, next time we have dancing, I want you to choose Mary. Dan was incredulous. I mean, why choose Mary when there was Linda or Shelley or even Doreen? The teacher simply said, it's what Jesus would have done. And Dan knew that she was right. So he hoped that the next time that they were being taught to dance, that he would be able to choose last. Because then he could pick Mary, do the right thing, and no one would be wiser. Except the next time they danced, Dan was first. He looked at all the girls. They were turned expectantly, except for Mary. Mary turned her face away. Mary simply looked at the floor, knowing she would be last. So Daniel chose Mary. And he describes her reaction. She lifted her head, and on her face, reddened with pleasure and surprise and embarrassment all at once, was the most genuine look of delight and even pride that I have ever seen before or since. It was so pure I had to look away because I knew I didn't deserve it. She walked beside me, bad leg and all, just like a princess. There's always people who feel left out. Somebody at your job that not too many people pay attention to. An older woman in a house near you who doesn't get many visits. Or it could be a wall between you and a person of another color. Or maybe it's a girl at school who no one would ask to dance. When we exclude, we don't just hurt those we keep outside. We damage our own souls. We treat like a them those God may be wanting to include. But when we receive others... We ourselves receive the greatest gift. And we offer the same gift we've received from God. God uses us to open the door to the world, inviting others into the community of grace. 
God doesn't pay much attention to our traditions. The Spirit can blow right by our offenses. Through Jesus, God accepts all kinds of people. It might not be the ones we choose, but God's Spirit goes out into the world to bring many into God's community of grace. God's Spirit moves us to offer God's acceptance through Jesus Christ. We're never more like God than when we accept others as is. Let's pray together. God, it's a remarkable gift of your grace that we once stood outside and you've brought us in. It's a remarkable, remarkable gift of your grace that we can call yourself, call ourselves your people. That we're your sons and daughters, identified with you, belonging to our faithful Savior Jesus Christ. And God, it's a remarkable gift of your grace that you allow us to be those who accept others, to receive others, to go to the world and take people as is. For your sake, for your kingdom, for your purposes. Equip us by your spirit and move us by the power of the love of your son, Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.